0: For basketball doesn't mean I should raise your kid.
1: Hello, and welcome back to Dear Adam Silver. You know, I'm not really sure where to start today, um, because mostly everything just feels wrong and uncomfortable with how sort of day-to-day life is playing out. I am thinking really of the nurses and doctors that are taking care of people in ICUs and in hospitals I'm thinking of um, people who work at the grocery store right now who are continuing to come to work um, because we all need to be making money and and sort of risking their lives in that way because of transactions and touching and how fast this uh, and easily this virus is able to spread. I'm thinking of people who are delivering food from restaurants in order to sustain that business and sustain their own lives. Um, Yeah, I mean, and of course, thinking of just all people that have already lost someone, uh, it's just... it's. um, I'm not exactly sure how to articulate uh, how much my heart is going out to people who are facing hardship because of this um really counting my blessings right now my friends and family are safe but i know that can change quickly which is very very frightening and it's frightening for all of us we are truly in this situation together and our connectedness to each other has never felt so important or been so stark in the coming weeks i am hoping to be putting out more podcasts and expanding the content from sports and art i will always come back to basketball of course because of how much it means, I think, to to me and beyond that, but I want to make sure that I'm touching on relevant things that matter in all of our lives right now. Okay, today's guest is Sam Anderson, a staff writer for the New York Times Magazine and author of Boomtown, the fantastical saga of Oklahoma City, its chaotic founding, its apocalyptic weather, its purloined basketball team, and the dream of becoming a world-class metropolis. The book juxtaposes the beginnings of Oklahoma City in the late 19th century, alongside the story of the development of the Oklahoma City Thunder as its own entity. Sam weaves in intimate details of the people and places that define OKC, from civil rights activist Clara Looper to Flaming Lips frontman Wayne Coyne and to the bombing monument in the middle of downtown. As we discussed, the book offers no specific answers about what Oklahoma City means, but instead a series of stories and personal observations that show the reader how complex and nuanced the concept of places can be. This book touches on seemingly disparate aspects of OKC and highlights something so pertinent right now, that our actions are connected across time and space. The things we create and build are connected. And of course, the book highlights what I try to touch on in my own work, that basketball is more than just the game. We recorded this episode the day after the NBA season was postponed indefinitely, so just about, just over a week ago. As an additional note, Bookman's, my usual sponsor, has closed for the time being in order to protect staff and customers from the coronavirus. When it is safe and they can reopen, which of course I hope for all small and local businesses is sooner rather than later, they will have Boomtown on the shelves and available for purchase. Let's all support our local businesses as soon as they're able to open again. Now, more than ever, I have really learned the value and importance of a good book. And for those of you in an area where restaurants are offering delivery and pickup, please support them in whatever way you can. Okay, that's it for now. As always, please subscribe, rate, review, and share if you can. And please, 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 if you can, stay home. I mean, I was just thinking, I wasn't sure how much you had followed the story from last night or what you had thought about. I mean, and this doesn't have to go, actually go necessarily in the final version of the podcast. I was just wondering if you were having any thoughts about the NBA canceling its season as a fan um, or postponing its season and also now Donovan Mitchell having coronavirus as well as Rudy Gobert. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. I mean, nothing really calm and collected. I think I the same response as everybody, which is just like wild disbelief it it feels like you know it feels like a pandemic movie and i think what i've seen a number of people saying is probably true that like this nba thing plus the tom hanks thing are the are the like data points that are actually (laughs) bringing this home to people and make it real um i'm actually supposed to i'm scheduled to be giving a big talk in Oklahoma city next Thursday to like 800 to a thousand people.
1: Oh my gosh. Wow.
0: And I was just emailing yesterday afternoon, like, I have real misgivings about this. I think we should seriously consider canceling. And, um, and then all of this wildness happened like last night. Right. Um, So I can't imagine going in. gathering a crowd that big of of largely older Oklahoma Cityans and feeling uh, responsible about it.
1: Sure. Um, I was thinking so much because I was rereading parts of your book last night and then just realizing that Oklahoma City was like the the Utah Jazz. There was talk, I think, at one point of them sleeping in the – the chesapeake arena because they you know they couldn't leave because they hadn't their tests haven't come back yet um yeah so i just was you know just there's st- like coming back to to this specific place that i had already been of course this could have happened at any arena in the nba but that there's just this overlap with like me revisiting some of the 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 sort of you walking all the way across Oklahoma city to get to the arena and the arena being this like quarantine zone is just very, uh, timely.
0: Yeah. And if you think about like, I mean, obviously Oklahoma city to me, I'm not from there, but just in, in my diving into that history and telling those stories, it became to me almost like this mythic place. The stories were so, um, Epic and like beyond normal human history, like, and, and so when I think of all these players quarantined in the middle of downtown Oklahoma city last night, and like this crowd of many, many thousands of people um, standing together in the stands, wondering what's happening and then being evacuated from the building. It like, it brings me right back to the early history of Oklahoma city where you have this preposterous land run where you know, ten thousand people ended up clustered in this in this empty spot in the middle of the plains mm-hmm. uh, in in one day. Basically, and it's just it's kind of like, yeah, there is an echo there of of masses gathered for confusing, uh, right. charged historical moments.
1: Yeah, it was so interesting seeing sort of footage from the game, and um, you know, on up on the uh, the big screen in the middle, it was just saying like. Be safe and have a nice night, just like anything else. You know, any other day where it's like, oh, we're actually, you know, you know, the president just said whatever he said, which confused more than helped. I mean, all of that, those things. But I mean, we're in the middle of like a much serious, a more serious problem than Jen. Just like drive home, get home safe. You know, it just, but like get home really safe. Like, don't touch anything. Don't touch anyone. Like, it just was such. It seemed like such a mundane thing. The way it was communicated that people should should leave now you know it's just yeah right
0: i mean in, in some ways that has to be the approach right? it's like you keep everybody calm sure. but there was a there was a yeah there was something in the specifics of what the the public address announcer said he was like you're right it was very casual and he was like everybody go home now uh the the game is the game is canceled um and he said something like like you're all okay or something like that, which I found kind of touching.
1: Yeah, yes, I think, and I also think he said something about like take your time, like take your time leaving, yeah, or something exactly. about like, yeah, don't. I mean, trying to not cause any um, confusion or sort of um, trying to like you know not get anyone scared.
0: Yeah, I think, and I think this this gets to the heart of like what the book is about and what sort of American society is about, which is like trying to find a human way to, to manage gigantic groups of people, to manage the collective, like to find the right balance between the individual and the collective, right? Like don't be the one who goes running out of the arena panicked because that has consequences on this larger group that you're part of tonight. Uh, so for me, that's what was exciting about Oklahoma City right from the start. And it started with the basketball team. Sure. And I've always been interested in, in basketball as a game that like really focuses on and dramatizes that tension between individual interests and the, the larger interests of the group. And so... That was the preoccupation I came in with, and then I just found it echoed everywhere in Oklahoma history. And so I think last night, yeah, it was another perfect example of that dynamic.
1: Yeah, and I think that that is why I really sort of connected with the book was because you know, oftentimes when I want to read about sports, those books are written in a way that like, you know, sometimes they'll bring in sort of historical events or, you know, social issues to a certain extent, but not um, not on equal sort of grounds, that it will just be so heavy on on the team that we're not looking at where the team exists or how the team came to be. And so this idea that there, you wrote the book in a way where we're learning about The development of Oklahoma City, which means we're also learning about why people wanted to be there, which means that we're learning about American history. And then we're also learning about the Oklahoma City Thunder and how they came to be. And there's so many overlaps. And I mean, just like the the language that you use um, as far as like boom and bust and these explosions and um, all of the things that, of course, can be physical, but also can just be like conceptual uh, ideas that run through our society and how those... Mm -hmm two parts go hand in hand. Yeah, it just seems like it continues to unfold in a way that that made no sense and complete sense.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, thanks. That's <laughs> what I was trying to do with the book was, was I mean, I guess my basic approach um, is that everything we ever talk about, everything we ever Do and think about me sitting here talking to my headphone microphones with you on a podcast, Um, us looking at Twitter, uh, professional athletes playing basketball games, city council members having a meeting to talk about some really boring ordinance. Like it's all, um, this sounds really dopey, but like it's all human experience and it's all and therefore it all exists on the same plane and mm-hmm. so we don't need to like there aren't these hard borders between what happens on a basketball court and what happens at like the Metropolitan Opera House yes. or um, or anything else or on a TV show or, or a TV set or um, you know so I feel like it's all contiguous and it's all intermingling and um, the same kinds of dramas exist at all those different levels and in all those different places and it's all just humans being humans which is the most interesting thing uh, that we have yet discovered and um, so I felt like yeah once once you approach it from that angle like all of those connections you were talking about just become I mean, they're just like, it was overwhelming sometimes all sure. the connections that were happening between these different levels, the thematic echoes between the, the Thunder team of 2012 and like the beginning of Oklahoma City or like the founding of America or, you know, um, it really did sometimes feel overwhelming. Like there's a lot of connections I had to leave out of the book because it just got to be too much. And I think anything, any subject you like really kind of all of your brain power at for a long time and i worked on this book for over five years like you you would start to see um these amazing interconnections and that's that's what's so so beautiful about like sitting down and spending time with something you know Mm -hmm. in an artistic way rather than in a sort of faster uh more superficial like news driven way or something you know as you, you start to see the the depth of those connections and the richness of um. what's the, oh, the rhizome. That's what I'm thinking about. Mm-hmm. That concept of like the rhizome, like all these intense network of interconnections underground that communicate with each other. Like sure. that's where the real artistic beauty of a, of a subject comes from. And Oklahoma City was just like unbelievably rich in terms of that.
1: And in the beginning of the book, you talk about how you felt something when you were first flying into Oklahoma City. There was something sort of like, I think you call it a needle. There was this mm-hmm. inner needle, um, you know, your intuition, whatever it was that made you feel that was like vibrating that made you feel like something's here maybe is is what I was understanding, like something's here mm-hmm. for me or I, this is where I'm supposed to be at right now, you know, whatever it is. And I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that experience. And then also, I mean that you maybe weren't expecting to have such a relationship with, with Oklahoma city um, until you, until you, you know, arrived.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, that's for sure. Yeah. Like I said, I'm not from Oklahoma city. I'm from the West coast, from Oregon and California. And I've lived in New York for almost 20 years now. And um, so I had no meaningful connection to Oklahoma city. It was just, a place out there, which Mm -hmm. I think is a near universal perception of Oklahoma City for people who aren't from there. Um and so yeah, I got I got sent out there to write about this crazy basketball team and why this relatively small American city had a professional basketball team and and I started reading a history of the of the place on the airplane out. And yeah, immediately I started having like these feelings that you were mentioning. And the, the image I got, was, which I write about in the book, was essentially it's like it's like you're looking at your dashboard and you're seeing how the systems are running in your car or your spaceship or whatever. And there was this needle and this new little instrument that I'd never actually noticed moving before. And suddenly it was going crazy about Oklahoma City. And, um, I mean, just... Well, you're an artist. I, I guess maybe it's pretentious, but I think of myself, writer, writer-wise, writer as more of an artist than a, than a journalist. I come from, you know, I studied literature in college. I wanted to be like a writer of books and essays and and not a quote-unquote journalist, but someone who, who wrote artistically uh, in longer forms in magazines and books and things. And, and I've been waiting my whole magazine career for a subject to make me feel like that. Sure. Uh, And it hadn't come. And I'd written, you know, many pretty long stories, in-depth stories, and they just never demanded that I write a whole book about them. So I want to say it was the first time I had that feeling. And I was shocked. And I found it kind of, um, it was kind of funny that it was that place that was making me have it, which I found actually really exciting and appealing too as as you know as an artist like i mean part of what art does is it is it focuses people on aspects of human experience that they might otherwise rush by or not even consider worth paying any kind of attention to and art can focus them on that and show them this incredible richness inside of that And so that was exciting to me the idea of doing that with this relatively small city that most people don't care about and being like, actually, this is like the, uh, this is sort of like the big bang of human experience here in Oklahoma City. Like, if you understand this place, you will understand American history. You'll understand like human interaction at large. It was like, it just felt like this cosmic place. And I loved the idea of, writing a portrait of this overlooked place that made people feel like it was sort of the most, most important place in the universe. So that was, that was my ambition there.
1: Yeah, it does. It does, um, and I think that part of how how you wrote it, where you're going back and forth between talking about things that happened, you know, 120 years ago, and then talking about things that are happening, sort of as you're there, um, or that's the way it feels. It kind of gives you that sense of there is always something crazy happening here, like that there yeah. is this this place is filled with like big decisions and and sort of taking a lot of action and you know like build it up, knock it down, like. Uh, in so many different ways that is expressed Mm-mm. through the city and um, through the team even with you know the trade of James Harden like, as this monumental sort of like what has become like this historical decision in um, basketball, you know, history, of course, historical history, you know, I'm using the same word, but this idea that like, um, yeah, that it's just, it seems so chock full of just things all the time. And this, and I think also because you, Um, you talk about the Oklahoma City bombing later on in the book. I think as a reader, when I I was thinking, like, when is that going to come? Like, the whole time there's this anticipation of, like, this event that what I associated with Oklahoma City for Mm -hmm. a long time, like growing up before I had visited, before I knew anything about it, that was the thing I knew about it. Um, And so there's this idea of, like, when will this happen? And knowing that it's coming and, and being unsure of how it will be. Delivered to us yeah. through the book.
0: Yeah, that that was. Uh, I mean, I had the same experience as you. I remember the bombing. I was at. I was in high school at the time, and um, and that's what people tend to know about Oklahoma City. And so I knew I would have to get there and tell that story, of course. And I knew I would have to try to do it in a particularly powerful way. Um, But I also felt a little bit, I guess I felt contradictory emotions about the bombing, just in terms of constructing this big, giant narrative. On one hand, I felt like um, uh, a little bullied by that, um, by its presence, Mm -hmm. because that is what people knew about Oklahoma City. So when people heard I was writing this book, they assumed I was writing about the bombing. And um, again, that's, that's the kind of event that crosses over into like, the journalistic world and, and so I felt a little like I wanted to resist resist sort of following the orders of making this book mostly about the thing people already knew. Um yes. But I also felt this incredible like uh in terms of storytelling, this incredible power in the bombing. And obviously it's you know it is the one of the defining events in that city and in the country. So I knew I would get there, but I didn't want to get there too soon. And somebody told me once what page I actually start. The bombing arrives like on page 340 or something. Um, So really like in the last quarter of the book. Um, And I think I just wanted to make people experience. I wanted to renew in a way the bombing. I wanted to like reclaim it from our journalistic knowledge of it and make people actually feel what that meant to the city. So by the time you get there in the book, you understand like not only who these people are who are involved in the bombing, but you understand like the fabric of the city, that the, that the, the bombing happened in, like you understand what that block used to be, you know, you understand the nature of downtown. And so you understand like on many, many more levels, like what it meant, like the tragedy of that day and that moment um, to the city and to the people of the city. So, so yeah, there was definitely a conscious effort to like delay getting to the bombing. Um, part of it was resistance. It was just hard to immerse myself in that, uh, in that material and in that sure. research. Like those are really dark, sad weeks for me. Um, reading this pile of books about the bombing and talking to people about it and, uh, and trying to write it. Um, it's just like, it's just one of those things that's like the human mind kind of stops at the border of it. You know, you don't want to, it's just Mm -hmm. unimaginably tragic what's going on in there.
1: And I think like throughout sort of throughout the rest of the book, before you actually get to focusing on that event there, you, you know, you are discussing the memorial, you know, so it's there, Mm -hmm. like, we know, we know it happens. Like we talk about, you talk about how Sam Presti, uh, has every player that joins the Oklahoma City Thunder. that's like the first place they go. Um, yeah. is the memorial. Um, and uh, so like there, it, yeah, I think that it's like woven in there. It's just it's um it there is this power in like building up to this event, especially when you're talking about all these other ways that, you know, other buildings that that the government, the local government of Oklahoma City like chose to, uh, Get rid of. They like imploded these buildings in order to to start over and to build, you know, have the downtown revitalized in some way. Um, yeah. And so then, urban like, urban
0: renewal. Yeah. Yes,
1: urban renewal. So then, leading up to the discussion of the um, of the actual bombing, it's like we have all this other knowledge that many of us didn't know about the history of Oklahoma City, like with explosions, with bombings, with the the sonic, uh, you know the the airplanes that the uh, oh my gosh um,
0: yeah operation bongo
1: yeah operation bongo these like sonic <laughs> jet airplanes like flying over oklahoma city like testing um testing that power and like people you know like their their uh ceilings like falling apart and you know just yeah, uh, testing, wa- the,
0: yeah testing the effect of repeated daily sonic booms on a civilian population.
1: Right. Exactly. Like, you know, that that we we have that knowledge and of course that ties into the supersonics and then them, you know, then becoming the Oklahoma City Thunder. Like those are such sort of underlying um more more like subtle facts that, that the average person uh, is not gonna know about Oklahoma City. So then we have all of this other knowledge going into sort of what the what the history with explosions have been and and loud huge noise that causes damage you know
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: um and i also think this idea of approaching the story of timothy mcveigh through another sports team through the buffalo bills that he was this buffalo bills fan who had been disappointed over and over again and had had this um already had like this uh sort of hard life and then had put a lot of hope into his his sports team that, that, that he was a fan of and been disappointed. And mm-hmm. that then opens the door, for me at least, it made me think that this, the way that you've approached talking about Oklahoma City in relationship to uh, the Thunder, could also, that same lens could be applied to another, like these stories of sports teams and how they're interwoven with our, our lives and the places that we live, it's all over the place
0: oh yeah for sure for sure um yeah and again i mean i don't know why i keep thinking of like the metropolitan opera house but you you could probably come up with some similar dramas based on people's allegiance to that place and like the emotions they feel watching you know sitting through like a six-hour wagner opera or whatever and, and like the comings and goings of conductors and scandals and i mean it's just again anything where humans kind of congregate and have these deep allegiances and emotional attachments. And um, there's just, there's just infinite stories, but yeah, sports is a particularly colorful and available way to see that. Um, You know, I mean, yeah, you could pick, you could pick 20 different franchises probably and tell incredible tales of Heartbreak and sure. ecstasy and betrayal and and all that, um, and that was part of the lesson of the book was like, anywhere that humans exist is interesting. All the places on the map that we've been trained to ignore, to look down on, uh, the people who live there are just as complex, and intelligent, and um, invested and important as you are whether you're thinking about them from another little town or from your you know ivory tower in your fancy east coast city or wherever like um so yeah i mean and, and artistically that's also a little intimidating as i'm sure you know like when you can make art about anything like it's hard to decide what to make it about what to pay attention to right I started to choose. That was why it was so valuable to me that Oklahoma City just kind of grabbed me. It's like, oh, I have to do this now and I'll do it for the next five years.
1: Yes. And so that kind of leads into a question I have about sort of the responsibility. I mean, I think whenever you're making, you know, work about almost anything, you have kind of a responsibility towards that thing in a way to, you know, like you're saying, like put in the time, put in the care. And did you have any feelings about... I'm not from here. How do I sort of go all in and follow this sort of intuition that I have that this 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 is being uh, presented to me, but also that, you know, I'm telling the story of this place that I just, you know, um have recently started to have a relationship with in the grand scheme mm-hmm. of you know your your life, like um that that you you found this like later on? Yep. um, yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, you're, you're I was very conscious of not being from there, of not sure, being Yes, an expert in that way on there, and not having the same. I mean, it's not possible for me to have the relationship to that place that people who have grown up there have. Um, and I think, in some ways, that's liberating uh, because you can do the the kind of anthropological approach. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing that you take for granted, really. You don't know anything. You're learning from scratch. You're learning how one neighborhood uh, stitches together with the neighborhoods around it. Um, You're learning the history from scratch. And I had a lot of people tell me during the reporting process, like, they really thought it took an outsider to tell the story fully and properly, which I appreciated, which kind of gave me some confidence. Um, and I think also just being conscious of my deficit in not being a native also probably made me work harder in, in trying to fill in all these gaps and made me just a little bit more maniacally determined to, to learn as much as I could and to see as much of the city as I could. And, and so it was good in that way. Um, and also, I mean, I think the ultimate thing was, again, it just came from a place of like, what felt to me like deep authenticity, my Mm -hmm. interest in that place. And so that was kind of the ultimate antidote to me for anyone who might say, well, you don't know what you're talking about. You're not from here. I was just like, well, I don't really have a choice. This place speaks to me. (laughs) Uh, My interest in it is so deep. My, you know, I I came to really, I would say love the place deeply. Um, And so, I mean, what am I supposed to do? go away and not not fulfill the mission I can do that so so I was kind of stuck with it
1: I love this idea that the less that you know the more that you can know in a sense as far as from like a research perspective the the more hunger you might have to learn and really admitting um and I mean I don't know what process you went through at the beginning but just being like oh I don't know anything and I want to know everything you know and so just like going down every rabbit hole possible to figure out what this place means
0: yeah, and I, it's almost a universal response now that I talk to people and they're like like natives of Oklahoma City and they're like, you know more about this place than I do. And I, <laughs> as I thought about it, I was like, well, I mean, I should. Like, it's not a normal relationship to have with a place. Sure. I certainly do not have this relationship with the town I live in, uh, north of New York City, or the town I grew up in in Oregon. Like, okay. I don't have this relationship with any other place. It's completely like artificial and like built, uh, you know, block by block. Um, So, yeah, I think there's something to be said for coming in as an outsider, as a blank slate, and then just kind of filling in the canvas as much as you can.
1: And I think that when you're from somewhere, um, whether it's where you grew up or where you live later on or whichever, it's so much harder to get that sort of um, same level of drive towards learning about that place when it is, you know, you take it for granted, like, oh, I'll go to the museum, the historical museum, the local historical museum some other time, or I'll do this some other time. Whereas when you're in a new place and you're a visitor, it's like, I got to get all this info.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Every single trip was like. So jam packed, like from dawn to not even dusk, like dawn to like four in the morning.
1: Right. Yeah, Wayne um, Coin, uh, porn. yeah, yeah, um. you just
0: get one of those texts from Wayne at three in the morning, like, Hey, we're over at this house, come meet us, and you just have to go. My wife said one of the things she loved about my work on this project was like, no matter what, I just said, yes, if it was related to Oklahoma city, I just said, yes, I'm not a guy who gets out of bed at three in the morning to go to a house party, but if Wayne Coynton asks me to go in Oklahoma city, then my automatic answer is yes. Um, so it was, yeah, it was like a, it was sort of like an alternate, uh, mode of being, um, when I was out there and it felt that to me is a, as a writer, as a reporter, as a whatever, as a human is like the most exciting thing is just being in a place with all my receptors wide open and just taking in everything I can take in. And that's my only job is to be like fully aware. It's like a real, I don't know, it feels like a real sort of Buddhist state of ecstasy and openness. Sure. The writing is the horrible part. The production of the thing later is the bad part, but being out there just like Absorbing the world is just one of the happiest feelings I know.
1: Yeah, I, it's so nice for me to hear that the writing is still the horrible part for you. <laughs> um, because. Oh my God. I, I too get this like I'm very exhilarated by being somewhere that's new to me that you know there's all these I was just in Lawrence Kansas like for the past two weeks kind of learning about mm-hmm. you know the history of basketball there and all of these things and discover just you know beyond the James Naismith stuff like there's so much mm-hmm. more than that and um realizing like whoa this is the start you know maybe potentially this could be something that I spend more time with and but then now I'm I'm home and it's like ah, you know just like slowly like pecking at the keys like it's not mm-hmm. not great
0: the worst the yes. worst I'm uh I'm dealing with that now on multiple projects but I'm trying to get my editor a new draft of my next piece for the magazine and uh, and it's always the same thing I come back and I'm just overwhelmed by this continent of thrilling material that I've come back with and then how do you go about like reducing that and mapping it out and like and and just extracting the littlest bits that kind of tell people about the larger thing and and you just you lose so much and that always feels traumatic to me that 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 transition from the pure ecstasy of of intaking Mm -hmm. the world to like the difficulty of outputting some tiny little thing that represents that massive intake. Like it's always it's always so hard and it always surprises me every time how hard it is and how different the thing that I produce is from what I sort of imagined or, or felt along the way.
1: Yes, it is so hard to have those the experience and the sort of recalling of the experience, whether that's through like a photograph or through writing or through a painting or whatever it is, like mm-hmm. m- match each other in their intensity, um, or different yeah, in the same type right. of intensity.
0: Yeah, right. Uh, but of course, as my editors always reminding me, like, like my my like big sloshing Pacific Ocean of. Uh, ecstatic experiences with a given subject like that's completely internal to me and it it does that subject no justice if I just sit around with it sloshing around inside myself feeling happy that I contain this ocean and that I have to find a way to like compress and distill like I don't know what we're doing in ocean metaphor so like dehydrate the water and like present Present everybody with like this tiny sculpture made of salt. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's like yeah. a little, little tiny like a dead fish. Of, <laughs> yeah, right. Like a, yeah, a little a little portrait of like sculpted crystallized salt and like fish skeletons and some seaweed. And be like, here you go, that's the ocean. Yes. Uh, and it's so
1: interesting because your book is also another type of ocean. I mean, for me as the reader, it is it does have there is this exhilarating sort of push and pull and like what happens next? And you know time, time is passing, there's movement. you're kind of being jerked back and forth in a way that I think um, was was really effective. So I think that there's always just different um, like it might not be you created this other thing that's also exhilarating, even if it doesn't have nearly the same amount of like impact it had on you as like the first the firsthand consumer of that experience.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, I mean, that's always the goal and that, you know, it tends to work out and people tend to get, the transmission tends to happen, but Mm -hmm. in in the making it happen, it always feels really traumatic. I've never actually spoken to, I've never spoken to any writer for whom it's easy, which is some comfort Sure. Uh, But I, and I always forget before I tell people how hard it is, I always forget that I think people generally assume that writing comes easily to me, but it doesn't at all. It's so, so hard. I could show you a, I could send you a picture of like a four foot tall stack of hand revised um, sheets of paper that went into the making of this book. Right. Like it was just a process of like placking out the worst possible version of a gesture at a thought and then printing it out and hand revising it with a pencil. Um, and writing, you know, just like essays in the blank space of that page and then typing all of that into my computer and printing it out again, and then just repeating that process a hundred times, uh, for every little section and then throwing half of those sections out. And then, I mean, it's just, it's just backbreaking. Yeah.
1: Um, one thing I also not to
0: overdramatize. I wanna also be Oh no, of
1: course, of course. I'm like
0: I I, I try to remind myself like I try to remember like relatives in my family or my wife's family who like worked in the copper mines in Utah. And I'm like I'm not waking up at dawn and doing literally uh, backbreaking work um, until the sun goes down. So I have a fairly cushy life, but it feels hard to me in the midst of these writing projects.
1: Definitely. Um, a labor of love, but also, um, I mean, there's nothing more painful for me than like, uh, I mean, in, not to be totally extreme, but like listening to my podcast when I have to edit them and hearing my own voice um, oh, yeah, and things like that, yeah. like, you know, sort of reading over um, things that you've written for the millionth time or whatever it is and just like being exhausted by the sound of your own voice. I'm sure. Totally. Um, yeah. I mean, it has its own sort of tiring aspects, even though it's like, you know, you're the 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 career that you that that you enjoy or that you know this like this art form that you really love taking part in
0: yeah it's hard to yeah it's hard i think it's hard for everybody to keep that larger perspective of like i'm actually you know i'm i'm enjoying myself and i'm lucky in all these ways and you get so wrapped up in your little obsessive dramas and labors yeah yeah but definitely in the middle of a book, there were times when I felt I was in the middle of that book. There were times I felt I was kind of losing it.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, that's it's that's, that's interesting, and it's just good to to hear that because I, I think that the final product we don't always, and I mean, just with you know, a lot of things we don't always get to see like the sort of um, the trouble that might have been like or the things that had to be like faced in order to to get to this end result yeah
0: yeah I try to write in a way too I think my style is like um, it it, I try to be like hyper engaging and like almost colloquial in certain ways and like like we're just I'm just like having a nice chat with you and telling you some crazy stories I've uncovered Um, and so sometimes I often get people saying like it just seems like it just pours right out of you and it's really the opposite of that. I think I, I'm <laughs> able to create that fact, Actually, I've often thought I think I'm able to write like that because it's so hard for me. Uh, because every single word comes under scrutiny 700 times, and every sure. single phrase and the the rhythms of the phrases and like and so the end product because it's been put together with like I don't know putting like it's like a giant stack of like uh, rice grains that I put together with chopsticks with my left hand. Yeah. Uh, oh, gosh. It's all, it's go. all like, <laughs> yeah, it's all, it's all like very, um, it's so deliberately put together that it feels easy, but it doesn't come together that way.
1: Yeah. yeah I, um, so one, one of the parts of the book that I felt most strongly about was when you You choose on the day of the anniversary of the um, land run. So, this was like, this was in 2012, if I'm correct, the anniversary of the land run that happened in
0: 1889. Yeah, April 22nd, 1889. There's this ridiculous land run. And that's how Oklahoma is is started with all these people rushing from around the world to claim plots of land. So, a horn
1: sounds at at noon, and all of these people, like, just cross the line from from Kansas mostly?
0: Yeah, from Kansas, but also all around this area that was called the Unassigned Lands, um, which had been taken back from the native tribes who had been forced into that area by the government. So all these white settlers come charging through the prairie on their wagons and on their horses. And it's just like the most chaotic thing you can imagine. Wagons are just busting apart on the rough prairie. They're not designed for this. People, You know, horses are dying of exhaustion. People are accidentally shooting each other. Like it's insanity. And somehow at the end of the day, you have this city of 10,000 people just packed side by side. Mm-hmm. And then when the dust clears and the sun comes up the next morning, they have to figure out a way to make that a functional city so that's like the that's that's the origin story of oklahoma and and oklahoma city it's just nuts bananas the worst idea in the history of the world and but it happened and they had to make it work and um so that has a very big presence in oklahoma city still people still kind of celebrate the anniversary of this day on april 22nd uh kids for generations are starting to stop this now but kids school kids would recreate the land run out on the playground on April 22nd mm-hmm. and uh, so I was there one year it was 2013 actually and um, I was there on April 22nd and I was like well I have to do something to commemorate this I mean I've been so immersed in this history and telling this story I was like what can I do should I try to go to an elementary school and like and like watch the kids do this reenactment but I couldn't make that happen so kind of impulsively That day at the last minute I drove, I decided to drive out in my rental car to what would have been the border of the unassigned lands where people would have been lined up
1: Mm
0: -hmm. uh, near this ranch. And I decided to park my car and just walk the route back to Oklahoma City to sort of put my body through that space and see what that historical route looked like now, all those Mm -hmm. years later. And so, yeah, I walked, uh, which is a completely absurd thing to do. Like, there's no sidewalks for most of it. It's not a thing that anyone would ever do. Or, um, but I did it because it was for the book. And I said yes to everything about Oklahoma City, even the dumb ideas. And uh, so I walked, ended up walking 20 miles. I walked from from that point all the way back into the city and downtown to Chesapeake Energy Arena where the Thunder play. And it was like this sort of wild, hallucinatory experience. And I got extremely sunburned because I hadn't really prepared. And
1: yeah, the blisters.
0: These, yeah, I was wearing these ridiculous brand new, like, boots. And so I got these horrible blisters. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was nutty.
1: Yeah, I think that, that that part just really sits with me a lot, I think, because it feels when, when you are kind of um, – it it just feels like a less of a traditional pr- approach to to being sort of what you were talking about before as a writer not wanting that like wanting to sort of have the be an an artist who who is writing as the form of expression where it's like immersing yourself in that experience and having like the blisters and um you know like no sidewalks and kind of putting yourself in a place where cars are driving by you at fifty miles per hour and what that feels like yes. is very um yeah I mean it's just. It's not necessary, but it somehow feels like such an important part of the book, even though it, there's there, you know, it wasn't like the most logical thing to do. Oh my gosh,
0: it was so unnecessary. <laughs> and it, I, felt like, really, at- <laughs> I felt really embarrassed when I did it and I didn't tell anyone I was doing it. And I honestly thought I might not even use this in the book because it seems so dumb and excessive to me. Mm. Uh. But it's absolutely one of my favorite parts of the book. And I've heard yeah, from many people that it's their favorite part of the book. Uh, Because, again, because it's just, I mean, that's the epitome of, right, something you would never do if you lived in a place and had a normal life. But Mm -hmm. I was there approaching it from this anthropological perspective where I was like, well, what else can I do that would be conceptually interesting that no one would ever do? And that's what I came up with.
1: And walking is such a sort of fraught thing, I feel like, at at this point within cities that are built just for cars, like almost exclusively yep. for cars. It's like um, I... I felt, uh, I lived in Baton Rouge for a while and I felt that walking there, I just always got the weirdest looks. You know, people would pull over. Oh, yeah. I just, I, it, it was like I was asking for attention by choosing to walk mm-hmm. rather than drive somewhere. And I mean, you're talking about this when you're, you know, I mean, you're like crossing highways and stuff, it sounds like, but that people are shouting at you. You know, it's mm-hmm. just like you're getting all this kind of feedback just because you're choosing to walk. And I think that that just also speaks to like our current sort of, in a lot of cities, like the current perspective on like, what is the right behavior and how we treat these oh, spaces? Totally.
0: totally. And, and Oklahoma city is kind of like, um, ground zero of that kind of urban design, kind of mm-hmm. aggressively anti-walking urban design. A lot of that had to do with, I think the, the, the center of the oil and gas industry is there. And so people sure. love their cars and a you sprawl. know this massive, um, yeah sprawl suburban sprawl which 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 they did like no other city in history and then also urban renewal the gutting of the downtown and like and and retrofitting it to be a place for cars rather than people um so yeah particularly there it was this kind of weirdo transgressive thing to do which is also part of why i did it that's funny i lived in baton rouge for four years oh wow that's crazy. And one of one of the major reasons I ended up in New York City right after Baton Rouge um, to go to grad school at NYU um, was in choosing grad schools. Um, New York City felt so thrillingly walkable to me mm, yeah. in a way that Baton Rouge absolutely was not. And so and I, I and I think because of my Baton Rouge experience, I realized how much I valued walking in yeah. like an urban space uh and so that's how i ended up in new york city
1: well i did the opposite i moved from new york city to baton rouge <laughs> and oh. i said to myself i'm gonna be a new yorker in baton rouge like i'm not getting a car i'm not adjusting at all okay. i'm just gonna do oh my, my normal thing um which i mean you know i'm really glad i met my boyfriend who had a car at some point in that experience <laughs> but like yeah i mean i just i think noticing those differences um I, I mean, and, no, and real I mean, as soon as I, I mean, after a while I was like, wow, I really miss feeling freedom and walking and feeling like it's a, it's a, it's a perfectly normal thing to do. Um, it's
0: pretty essentially human. I mean, yeah. we are like bipedal animals uh, who are designed to walk around on these little, you know, flesh sticks that we sure. have on the bottom of our body. And yeah. So there's something, um, I don't know, there is something like. I mean, literally grounding and like normalizing and human about walking, even through these spaces that are designed for you not to walk.
1: You see more, Uh, you learn more, you notice more things. I mean, it makes you feel closer to whichever place you're you're walking through. Oh, heck yeah.
0: I mean, yeah, talk about radical receptivity, like on that walk, on that 20 mile walk, it took me like six hours or something crazy. Um, I was just all, all my job was to do was to move my legs and put my body through the space and notice everything that I noticed. And so I was constantly making little notes. I was taking pictures with my phone. I was making, um, I had my voice recorder and I was making voice notes. I was just like, there's one point in that, um, section of the book where I just like tally the roadside garbage. And it's just like, it's just sort of like the poetry of being out in the world and if i had done the same trip in a car it would have taken me 15 minutes and i wouldn't have seen you know i would have seen 0.03% of what i saw right. yeah
1: and and i think that um this goes to this sort of important point i think that i moves throughout the book where i feel like you are you are observing so much like throughout the book you're you're kind of just like you're just this like receiving all of these things constantly and sometimes there is um a judgment made about a certain situation that happens or a certain feeling you had or an interaction that took place and you have an opinion about that but a lot of it is just no just noticing just like taking note of this place that's around you so by the end of the book it doesn't feel like I don't know exactly oh now I feel this way about Oklahoma City because I don't think that there's this one judgment that's been rendered. It's more of like it is this highly complex center of a lot of different things that all overlap.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not a book with a, a thesis that can be sort of excerpted. I mean, maybe so, but the thesis is about human complexity and, and like the tensions involved in collections of human beings trying to help each other out or not help each other out. Or like that again, like we talked about that tension that to me is the defining tension of basketball, that like finding that balance between the individual self-interest and the collective good. Um, And so that's what I was looking for as I moved through that world. Uh, But yeah, you, you try to do it with a kind of generous openness just humaneness and yeah you're not going around making judgments and throwing out one-liners hopefully um you're like trying to honor all the people who have ever moved through that space uh and so i would hope the, the reader would leave the book with a kind of awe at human complexity and the richness of experience anywhere on the planet you know which includes where you are right now and the people around you and the people you'll see today, even if it's in the most um, unpromising context or, you know, you can sort of sit in a doctor's waiting room and look around and there's just like novels to be written sure. about the people around you and about the history of how these nurses got behind these computer terminals. And like, uh, so yeah, I would hope people would, would leave the book feeling like, um, I don't know, glowingly human, and not just leave with like some kind of thesis about a place in middle America. I had, it was funny when I was pitching the book to publishers, there were some publishers who were like, ooh, maybe this will be a, um, maybe the hook here can be like, as climate change advances and our coastal cities uh, Mm -hmm. become less habitable, (laughs) the answer lies here in the center of the country. And I was just like, Goodbye. Yeah. We're going to take right. another publishing meeting.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's that's interesting just perspective and also like what agenda you want to push forward about a place. I mean, when I finished this book, I was like, God, I've got to go back to Oklahoma City because it's just like I want to rethink the things that I made judgments about, you know, that I thought I thought I understood. And now I'm like, I want to go back and like re-understand. So um, That's awesome. And like, you know, that this first initial question, you kind of open the book with, is it possible to control an explosion? And like the yeah. last part of the book where you end with Russell Westbrook signing his new contract in Oklahoma City on Kevin Durant's birthday. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how those things I mean, I know I know how those things are tied together. And it's what you're talking about with these like sort of um, the the sort of details of all of our Lives informing every decision that we make, whether it's like personal or whether it's like, you know, for the for the community or whatever it is. Um, But these this idea of like the, the word explosion, meaning a lot of different things. And of course, like KD leaving. As mm-hmm. as my uh, relationship with my boyfriend can attest to, I'm a Golden State fan. He's, you know, a Thunder fan. Um, Katie Ew. leaving the Thunder was was an explosion of some kind, and then of course there's little explosions that come from that, and and little responses. So yeah, yeah I just those bookends are are really interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I still like that question. Is it possible to control an explosion? What
1: is your answer?
0: Oh, um, I mean, I came up with a question. I don't think I should be <laughs> I, just, I think it should have to be the person who comes up with the answer. Sure, as more well.
1: questions. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The question I think it's a cool question. question to ask. I don't have the answer to it. I mean, the answer has to be like something dumb, like yes and no. Sure. Uh,
1: but in fact, the answer is the whole book, which is like far from a yes or no, you know? So I, I love yeah. that, that, even though it is a yes or no question, like the answer is the book, which is then whatever else comes out, uh, you know, people's responses and things like that to reading.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm super proud of the book, and I'm really happy with how it came out. I worked harder on it than I've ever worked on anything in my life. I, you know, maybe sounds sad, but it may be the best thing I ever write in my whole life, um, and I'm fine with that. Sure. Uh, and, yeah, I'm just really proud of it, and and it's funny to me, like, I think I had underestimated the size of the hurdle that would stand in front of a general reader when you ask them, like, "Hey, read this big book about Oklahoma City. Um, it's really great." And I don't. It doesn't matter if you care about basketball or Oklahoma City or anything. Um, you'll find something here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think most people are like, "No, thank you." <laughs> and so it's been fun watching like word of mouth spread a little bit, and people are like, "Wait, this." Book about Oklahoma City is actually good and interesting, and and it's 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 been really like the response has been really wonderful, and I got to go like on the low post on Zach Lowe's podcast. Yes. And, um, he was he, he was so sweet and generous about the book, and and um, yeah, so it's just it's been a real a real blast, and you know, like I said, that was part of the design of the book was kind of shattering people's low expectations about a place like Oklahoma City. I actually heard from a group of guys in Boston and New York. They're like old friends and and they all read my book and they planned and took a like group trip to Oklahoma City just solely because of my book. Yeah. <laughs> uh, none of them had any connection to the place. And so they they like emailed me and I set them up with sort of like places to go check out that that were tied to the book. And uh, they all went into this whole big bro trip together
1: i i really think that that is the per can be one of the purposes of sort of effective art is that it makes the person who's viewing it reading it whatever it is say like oh what do i do now in response to what's been created already like how can mm-hmm. i like continue this or adjust this or you know respond to this in some way and I, I think that that yeah really speaks to how i mean like like i was saying i was like God, I got to go back to OKC. I mean, I just I didn't, you know, just the way you describe leaving the airport and all these things. It's like I need to re I need to reexamine that place. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's just great. I heard you on the low post and I re-listened to it yesterday just to make sure I didn't ask any of the same questions. Oh, OK. You know, I mean, I just I, I mean, I listen to that podcast all the time anyways. And so yeah I just um have a crush on this book, and i I also think <laughs> it's just you know an important way to to access places from access the history of places of people of you know of of our history from different perspectives and and this does that. so um yeah um but take care. we'll talk soon., Thank okay. you, Sam thanks bye.